Hi lovers! <laughs> that was so peppy. Why, why do you always <laughs> comment on this? I just feel like I feel like you're trying to be like a different persona than you were in our earlier episodes. No, I'm just stoked about podcasting. Cool. Let well, me let me do me. All right. Let me feel my feelings. Fine. Hey lovers. <laughs> that was me, me and me. I okay. don't know. Okay. Hi. Okay, I feel like we should start over. No, I think this is we're keeping it. Cool. Okay, well, I'm Kristen. And I'm Caitlin. This is Love And. Okay, fine. Take the words right from my mouth. Yes, a romance podcast. Today, we're talking about the apocalypse. Actually, post-apocalypse. <laughs> really happy and happy about it. It was a good week. It was a really fun good week. Okay, I feel like I have not like been super into the last few thematics. We did retellings, which you were super into. Male version, you are super into. I think I just like romance novels is what we're getting at. No, no, no. Like, I love the time travel episode. Be true. We did, and rock stars. But Apocalypse, I'm here for it. It yeah. was a fantastic week or it, two. It yeah. is a Caitlin and Kristen crowd pleaser. Yes. I will also say, though, that I I did not finish, like, eight or ten books. Yeah, I didn't have that problem. I kept starting... Well, so here's what I did. I, I looked on Reddit, obviously, the romance book subreddit for suggestions, and I found some that I really liked, and I pulled a... I had, like, a whole library of books, and then I started reading them, and a lot of them were just... The writing was just really shitty. Like, the ideas were interesting, but the writing was bad. Okay. And then I gave up, and I started looking on Kindle just for suggestions. Like, I just searched Apocalypse, and most of those were pretty bad, too. <laughs> And so the ones that we've narrowed down for this episode, I think, are very, very good. This is a very well curated yes, selection. This today. is highly curated. A lot of a lot of time went into <laughs> figuring out which books not to include on this okay. episode. I'm really excited about the books that we're talking about. Before we get into the books, real quick, nails for this week. I'm very jazzed about our colors because they were last minute finds <laughs> by Kristen. And I'm into it. They are last minute finds. The one I really wanted to find was called Comet Closer. And I literally could not find it. I think it's like so old in the yeah. OPI collection that we, that it's, maybe it's like not for sale anymore. Or at least from the usual vendors we go to. No, so I am wearing Pompeii purple. Which is not really purple. No, it's not. It's, um, it's a pretty punchy pink, but it's kind of shiny. It matches my lipstick almost today. And... Pompeii, if that's just like you're unfamiliar with that, is an old Roman city that was lived, was next to a volcano and the volcano exploded and the city no longer existed. It's like wiped off the face of the earth. So they had their own apocalypse, except I don't think anyone survived. Right. Yeah. So anyway, what are you wearing, Caitlin? I'm wearing The Future Is You, <laughs> which honestly could be probably for any episode. It really could be. But I think it's especially appropriate for apocalypse where it's like what not we have nothing to look forward to but yes. you are it and the future is now yes. good because you're in it so before we talk about romance novels apocalyptic romance novels i wanted to talk about the apocalypse mania in general because much like when we talked about serial killers in our very first episode 
serial killers are just like very popular in mainstream media. And I feel like the apocalypse or this idea of the dystopian future is similarly really popular across like lots of different pieces of mainstream media beyond novels. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, well, I think especially with COVID-19 that happened. And yeah. I think there's a proliferation. Actually, I kind of think that that might be part of the issue with the books that I read. I feel like a lot of them made up in, and I didn't actually do any research to figure out <laughs> if they were actually published in the last two years. But I do feel like a lot of people were just like, oh, I'm going to write about this because it's happening. Well, and maybe, maybe, maybe it wasn't good. But I can kind of see how that makes sense because at least with the very couple first months of COVID, like I was kind of terrified. I mean, I think we all were. Yeah. Particularly COVID started not very far from where we are in Washington. And I was like, oh, it's right on our doorstep. And all of a sudden we were quarantined at home. But I can kind of understand why you would want to like explore that in a fictional universe because I don't know, there's some comfort about like letting it play out on the page, maybe take some of the fear out of it if you're dealing with it in your real life. Yeah, I mean, for a while I didn't want to think about apocalyptic yeah. romances, but now, I don't know, it's kind of nice to like read a story where everything's going to shit, but there's still this hopefulness. Yeah. It's just, it's nice. It's yeah. felt, it felt almost cathartic to read them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so again, uh, talking about sort of like the mainstream media, I did a little bit of research because- Of course you, you know, did. I love history. So when I originally posed that question to us in our like notes about- apocalypse in the mainstream media i immediately was thinking about the movies back in like the late 90s like armageddon Mm. day after tomorrow there's just like a proliferation of a couple movies that i remember from like my youth being like really big blockbusters and i mean and then still today you have like the walking dead and all of that like there's still like a lot of stuff in tv and movies and all that about the apocalypse but i actually looked up the concept of the disaster film because that's what, like, Armageddon is part of. I don't think I've seen that. No, not, like, I think there is a movie called Disaster Film. Oh. But I'm talking about, like, the con. No, I mean, I don't think I've seen Armageddon. Oh, you really? Yeah. Oh. I've seen Day After Tomorrow. I think I watched that movie twice. I've seen that movie way more than twice. Yeah. It's I also watched Contagion when COVID started, which was probably not the I think I did two several times, and I don't think you're the only other person who did that. I feel like I read an article that were, like, that movie, the number of streams like went way up. And oh, I think yeah. that that's another example, like people like wanting to see how it plays out in yeah. a fictional reality to like yeah. give themselves comfort. Yeah. Like, well, at least it's not that fucked up. Yeah. But anyway, this concept of the disaster film or the disaster movie, I actually looked into it as like a film genre and its origins. And there actually was, there was like an original rise of the disaster film, I think in like the early 1900s but then there was a peak in the 1970s starting with a movie called airport and then there was a movie called earthquake there were a couple others like in the 1970s there's hurricane and one was called like <laughs> roller coaster like they were all like <laughs> it was just the thing yeah now it has to it's be like disaster now it has to be like a whole actually yeah, one is called the me- meteor <laughs> Oh, there's Volcano. Did we already talk about that? No, no. Okay, so there was a rise in the 1970s, and then there was a 1990s revival. Mm. And that is when we saw Twister, mm. Independence Day, Dante's Peak. Dante, do you remember like, Dante's Peak and Volcano like, came out the same year? Yeah. And the same thing, like Deep Impact and Armageddon were like, the, the like, basically they had the same concept. Anyway, the, the point is that like my recollection was not incorrect about like thinking about like, oh, I feel like there was a time when there was a lot of disaster films and there totally was 1990s revival and so 
obviously it's become part of romance too, but I think all the books we read were published within the last decade. And I didn't really find any from prior to that. So I wonder I if mean, it's... I didn't specifically look for older ones. I'm no, sure there but are I fe- plenty. No, I'm sure there are. I'm just, I'm just thinking like maybe, maybe now is the time for the romance, apocalypse of romance to be a thing. I mean, well, it is a thing. I mean, like in real life, it's a thing. And we... <laughs> what do you mean in real life? Well, no, but I mean, now we're like post COVID. It's like <laughs> sure. that. Yes. But are you calling COVID the apocalypse? I mean, it's a, it's a minor version. It's apocalyptic. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess, I guess I'm just thinking because some of the books we're going to talk about are the apocalypse is due to a virus. Yes. Okay. And so if you extrapolate COVID-19 to like something way, way worse than that, but in yeah. a similar vein. Anyway. Yeah. Just ignore me. Anyway. Okay. Well, anyway, so I wanted to start with, with that point though, that, that it was just like, we have an obsession with the apocalypse generally, and we've seen it in a lot of mainstream media. And it comes in and out of cultural fascination. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So I wanted to talk about what kind of themes we see in apocalyptic apocalyptic romance novels, and in conjunction with that, why we are both so fucking obsessed with this trope. (laughs) Um, So I had a few notes, and please chime in. Number one, everyone's a grump. (laughs) We have this concept in romance novels, like there's a grumpy sunshine trope. And at least in the books I read, maybe one character was like a little bit more sunshiny than the other, but basically the world's gone to shit. And so like, no one's fucking happy. One exception in the books we're going to talk about, but otherwise, yes. I'll be, I'm really the last book. Okay. I'm really curious to know what that one is. And along with that, what I noticed was that in a lot of the books I read, even if the reason for the apocalypse was different or, you know, the whole plot was different from another one. Usually the one or more of the characters had trouble making emotional attachments stemming from the fact that like they have lost so many people already mm-hmm. and it's like too painful. And so that is kind of a barrier to a relationship. Um, and in conjunction with that, it's hard to trust someone, right? There's like this very, there's this idea of like you are on your own, mm-hmm. even if you have sort of like a, either a blood family, family or a found family you are kind of on your own in the apocalypse because the world has is completely different. Right. And even if you find someone and fall in love with them, you will lose them because you will lose them should. and and getting to know that person presents another barrier because of the trust issue. Can right. you trust well, anyone? And, yeah, exactly. The safety thing. Yeah. Especially yeah. for women in these books. Well, yeah, so that's the another point I was gonna make is that in every single book I read, if you're a woman, you should not leave a house <laughs> <Don't go outside. laughs> well i think and along with that every woman in this book either is or becomes throughout the book a badass i had a lot of parallels with our serial killer episode because in that in those books often the woman has like this badass side of her or she's just <laughs> fucking killing people or it's just like really awesome yeah and in these books every woman is you know takes care of herself well you have to i mean yeah the apoc people who survive the apocalypse in these fictional worlds are survivors like you have to be and if you are not the type of person who seems like a survivor at the outset you become one and so you have to become a badass and you have to be develop that hard shell because you lose people and that goes back to the emotional attachments Mm -hmm. um but yeah it is fucking dangerous to be a woman i also got the sense that like for most at least most of the fictional universes i read about if you were a woman and society falls apart everyone's out to kill you, kidnap you, or rape you. Like, don't... Like, yeah, there's just, like, there's no safety, but also, like, that is what happens after society falls. Like, people... Like, men become 
animals and just want to hurt you. Like, yeah, I do all wonder. I feel like that was a very common... Yeah. I mean, in pretty much every book that I read, it was sort of... You were sort of hunted as a woman. But I did... I mean, if Seattle fell and we were still here, I just have a hard time believing that, like, that would be the vibe. Well, I... I know, so I totally agree. Like, I think it was, I think it's part of it is, like, it makes for good plot. Like, when you are someone who, it lends to being a damsel in distress when you do have a male hero, even if you are a badass woman who can take care of herself. Yeah. And it presents you with, like, a faceless enemy of just, like, Mm -hmm. the other, Mm -hmm. like, the man coming Mm -hmm. after you or the men. Mm -hmm. Um, But I agree that, like, if we were in the apocalypse right now, I wouldn't be as concerned. Now, 20 days from now or 20 months from now, when, like, only the survivors are left of like whatever is after the the aftermath of the apocalyptic event. Like you probably have to be pretty savage to be a survivor because I mean, do you remember in COVID when people like went to Costco and took the toilet paper? Like everyone took like, (laughs) no, I'm just saying like everyone everyone took like way more than they needed. Like we are all incredibly selfish if there was an actual apocalypse, I could see how it could get unsafe very quickly because we would all just be out to protect ourselves and our own families. Yeah. I see what you mean. I get it. Yeah. I think there's like a, there's a passage of time where it definitely becomes more dangerous because you realize the world is lawless now and only the fierce and selfish kind of survive in a way. That yeah. said, like, not everyone is a terrible person, so, but who knows what an apocalypse would turn us all well, into. I think it also depends on what the cause is. Yeah. So for some of these books, the cause is a virus, and that's pretty indiscriminate. Like, the people who end up surviving that, if it's 1% of the world, you know, you don't really know who you're going to get. If it's, like, I don't know, aliens invade, then yeah, the people who have the guns and who are strong are probably going to survive. It's yeah. like a different... I guess I'm also thinking about it from the perspective of like, yes, if there's a virus, that's indiscriminate. But if there's a virus that's going to affect a large number of people and kill people, governments and infrastructure will fall Mm -hmm. because of the lack of people doing those things. And so even if you are not a victim of the virus, you could be a victim down the line of, you know, hey, now we have no power or internet or anything and I have to take care of myself you know, those truck deliveries aren't coming to the grocery store. There's no more refrigeration. I have to get food for myself. And that's when you have to compete with other people. The other thing I I wrote down, so yeah, big focus on survival. I think in any of these books, we saw lots of road tripping and moving from place to place, which Mm -hmm. is a good plot device. It's a good plot device. And it makes sense. If the world is like turned upside down, in most cases, you have to find resources and go someplace else where mm-hmm. you can survive. It has made me think a lot about what I would do and where I would oh, go really? if something happened. What would you do? I well, actually I, did not think about well, this. Well, I didn't say I had a solution. Oh, I just okay. have well, been what thinking if, about what have it you more. Been well, just thinking about like what resources do you actually need? Where do you need to get to? Like, do you need to you need to get to a water source? You need to get to some place with a temperate climate because you're not going to have any AC yeah. or like you know, there's just. You're going to need to find a structure with, especially in After the Plague, which is the last book I'll talk about in this episode, they find, when they find houses with solar panels, it's like, oh, we have a hot shower for the first time, you know? So it's just interesting. The reason I wrote Focus on Survival actually is, is obviously there's a focus on survival, but I really like these books because there's something really refreshing about only focusing on your survival versus the mundane day-to-day stuff stuff that we deal with like work and groceries and whatever in these books it's like i need to eat 
and I need to like sleep and I need to work with my hands and to be be active. I need to be safe. And there's something really refreshing about just focusing on those basic needs and not caring about all the other bullshit that we care about in regular life. And that's what I really liked about these books. I totally agree. I didn't even think about that point, but that totally rings true to why I liked these so much. And that totally connects for me as, as a reason why I like these books now that you've named it. And it did make me think about, I guess I didn't think about like what I would do in an event of an apocalypse other than the fact that, you know, while I was reading these as they were, characters were doing things, I was like, yeah, you need to find water. Yeah, you need to find I was housing. like, I need to learn how to use a weapon. Yeah, that too. <laughs> that too. But we I was, should do, But I was also thinking about how the fact that like, except where there were like natural disasters or there's a virus, everyone's basically like, they're not really even put back to the stone age. They're put back like 200 years ago when we were all doing fine. And now we're fucked. We don't know how to do anything like without electricity or anything like that. But yeah, everything like our jobs are meaningless mm-hmm. and you just have to survive. And part of me was refreshed too. And a little bit like, I don't know. It seemed a little bit idealistic in a way. Well, it's idyllic to think about it if you don't think about all the practical shit. Like, it's idyllic yeah. to think about it when you're like, okay, I could learn how to garden and I have this sexy dude with me so we can, like, <laughs> build a structure to live in. But then one of you gets a cut and you don't have a tetanus shot and yeah. suddenly you're fucked. Like, if you don't think about the actual practical yeah. difficulties with it, it's very idyllic to think about only focusing on your survival yes. and, like, going back to that time when there's no internet, social media, all the stuff that gives us anxiety in our modern day but that time when we didn't have all that stuff wasn't that long ago in the grand scheme of things and that's also what bowled me over because it really made me think would we be able to get by without this stuff and like no i could see a lot of people not doing well like what if we didn't have like refrigerated trucks delivering groceries to grocery stores every day like what like what would we do you know like in cities would suffer for sure for sure have to go find farmable land but it just made me feel like we're really weak as a society now because we are so dependent on all of this shit yeah most of the men in these books are like oh yeah i happen to know how to i happen to be a military strategist and I also know how to farm my own food and I happen to like grow up in this environment where like I'm a boy scout, but I'm also really hardcore yeah. and I say fuck a lot. I mean, <laughs> yes. I was like, I'm not, my shirt seems were always ripped off because yeah. I can't find a whole shirt. Yeah. Actually the one, well, no, that is true for the male part. Male There's no intact clothing left. Everything is ripped from, everything's a muscle shirt. Um, and they've all got a beard because they can't shave. Um, but actually that is not talked about enough. That is not talked about enough. Yeah, no, there's some practical things that I was thinking of. And I think that actually in one book they talked about it where the woman was like, oh yeah, I, I finally found a razor, but she's like, fuck it. I'm not going to shave. In one book he was like, oh yeah, her smooth legs. And I was like, bitch, her legs are not smooth. (laughs) On the road. Okay. Yeah. No, the one. You don't have running water. There's no way her legs are smooth. (laughs) That. That is a big oversight by the author because, yeah, one of the books I read, she literally, like, finally finds a house with a razor, and she's like, oh, I could shave my armpits, I could shave my legs, and then she's like, no, in, like, five days it'll grow back, and then, like, what's the point? And she, but she, like, the author totally mentions it, like, she's hair, she has hair now. That's really really funny, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and the other last point I was going to make is that I think all of these books qualify as dark romance. I think there is a scale or some of them were darker than others, but all these books had death on the page, whether it was instigated by like a virus or something, or it was physical violence. 
although similar to this our serial killer episode when we were talking particularly about the mindfuck series i i posed a question then as to whether it would be a dark romance if you took like the serial killer element out of it because the relationship between the main characters mm, didn't feel very toxic. like toxic and i found that to be the case in a lot of these as well that's a really good point. Like, the universe is what makes it a dark romance because it's, like, a survivalist thing. Yeah, I don't think any of the books I read had a truly toxic... Yeah, maybe which is, did I. Which I think is... Actually, I did read a, a description of a book I didn't get to read where there was definitely... It was definitely going to be toxic. But I think that was an important element of all these books because there's something... You have to have something good because all the rest of it is shit. If it's all shit and it's... A, it's, like, there's no room for angst when you're, like surviving day to day yeah, like you don't yeah. need that shit you can have the enemies to lovers but i didn't yeah i didn't see a lot of toxic alpha males yeah. around yeah yeah we should get into the books yeah okay let's let's do get into the books the first one i want to talk about is i think the first apocalyptic romance i think i read same yeah okay it's called last light it's by claire kent it's an age gap it's also one of these survivalist road trip romances it takes place between Lane, our heroine, and Travis, our hero. So it's a male-female romance. And the events of the novel take place four years after a meteor struck Europe. And the way Lane talks about it, it's a single point of view from Lane's point of view. The way she talks about it is that scientists like saw the meteor was going to come by earth and then like two months before it was going to pass by they realized it was going to hit and it hit somewhere in germany or something and so people fled europe that actually like really made me think about like what we would actually do in the event of a meteor strike and it felt kind of similar like yeah we would know ahead of time we'd probably have a couple months advance notice and then people would flee that area uh, but it basically set the world going crazy before the meteor landed because they had like lots of immigrants coming out of Europe and then the meteor struck and it didn't cause a worldwide collapse of agriculture and society but or it did cause a collapse of society but it didn't it like darkened the sky a little bit there ended up being natural disasters on the east coast and the west coast of the U.S. and the sky was like very cloudy for a couple years and it was like poisonous rain yeah there was poisonous rain and stuff but I guess it wasn't it wasn't a species level event okay yeah, like yeah. there's like the special term of like just a lot of shit went down slice a lot of shit went down and... yeah but it didn't it didn't like blow up the whole world it was just it was big enough to cause the worldwide disruption so um lane has been living in her hometown taking care of her grandparents and the novel starts when i can't remember if it was her grandmother her grandfather but one of the last one of them remaining finally passes now that her grandparents are both passed, she is going to make her way south. I think she's in like West Virginia or something when she starts. And she's going to go south to Georgia or Louisiana, I can't remember. She's heard that there's a military base that is still accepting people and sounds like it's doing okay. So she gets ready to head out of town. She's got herself a motorbike. Finding transportation is a big thing in mm-hmm. all of these books because a lot of things don't work. In some books I read, no cars work. In this story cars work but it's you better take a motorcycle because the roads have not been taken care of the past few years it's hard to get around so a motorbike or a small vehicle is better if you can handle it travis is of 10 or 12 years older than her he worked in the garage and he had taken care of lane's car a few times when she was growing up pre-meteor strike 
he has just lost his daughter, who was five years old, who I think was suffering from like lung issues due to the, mm, the yeah. dust in the, in the atmosphere. Anyway, he tries to steal her bike, like not knowing that she, it was her property at that point. And she pulls a gun on him and is like, back the fuck up. And he says, you know, I'm not going to hurt you. Fine, you can go. They end up encountering each other a few more miles down the road when she pulls over. And then this truck of guys pulls over and like, she feels a little uncomfortable. They seem like they're drunk. They're not necessarily, she doesn't know that they're going to harass her or hurt her. But that's the thing. If you're a woman, you're just always looking on edge. You're always on edge, always on guard. So Travis kind of steps in and kind of calms the situation down. They start to travel together and become really good friends. They eventually do start to have a sexual relationship. They find themselves attracted to each other. At the same time, the reason Travis is going to this same military base is because his ex-wife is there. And he tells Lane this. And so Lane very much starts to believe that, like, you're going because you, like, love your ex-wife and you want to be with her again. Right. So I, I won't get in more into the story than that, but, it, but I found this, this was a really, really good introduction to the genre. Yeah, and I will just say, and we're going to talk about it in the next book because it's the it's same author, but the part of the tension comes from these sort of roving gangs. Yes. Which yes. is also a very common thing in these books yeah. where, where people are ganging up together. It happens in um, after the Plague series. But part of the part of the trouble is staying off the roads and like staying away from yeah. people who could come after them and basically take, they're going to take women and do whatever they want to right. them and yes. kill the guys. And yeah, yes, thank you for reminding me. Yeah, the... The reason why Lane and Travis are now like kind of rushing to get to the military base is because they saw this guy on the road who like died with a note in his hand or something. And the note said like, there's a horde of like 3000 people like headed towards this military base. And so they were trying to get to the military base before them, uh, before the horde, because Travis's ex-wife is there. Everyone Lane knew that lived in her town also went to this military base and they just they want to make sure that their friends are okay yeah so they're kind of a race against the clock yeah i really i liked their relationship a lot and i really liked the ending of this it was a very hopeful ending it was i won't say what happens but so they're both kind of grumpy but travis is also kind of like quiet yeah and he also on lane's side she she's concerned that you know he doesn't he's just with her for the time being Mm -hmm. for the journey and he is like, wow, this like really badass, like awesome younger person wants to be with me. I don't, I get it. Like, he's I don't want... worried about taking advantage of her. Yeah, he's worried about that, but he's also like, why are you with me? Yeah, like, you're way you're better. You're so than amazing. Me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is always a fun trope to yeah. have in there. Yeah, and Claire Kent writes really steamy romance. So she it's does certainly steamy. So the other book by Claire Kent is called Haven, and it's the first book of her Kindled series. And I, you said a bunch are coming out this year. Yeah, so Haven is a novella. It takes place in the same universe as Last Light. Last Light is a full-length novel. I've read it like three times now. It's really good. I first read Haven like a year or so ago, and I saw that it was like book one in a series, but I didn't look when the other books were coming out they are now all coming out like this year and yeah. i'm so excited the, the next one comes out in like july there's one in august so it might be out by the time this is yeah released. and then maybe one in december yeah. so i don't know why there was this like long gap between between publishing but so haven is a novella takes place five years after the meteor strike so about a year after the the events of last mm-hmm. light and the characters from last light show up in yeah they haven. do you get to you get to see them which, which is, is nice yeah jackson and faith have been living on a farm pretty much their whole life, definitely since prior to the apocalypse and the meteor strike, Jackson actually came to the farm as like a foster kid. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, Faith's parents took him in among many other children. So by the time the events of the book come around, they have fortified the farm. They have brought other people in and that the two of them kind of like run the show, but they've basically set up like kind of like a commune that's protected from the outside world where they can like grow food and, you know, basically live in safety and have everything they need. Which makes them a prime target for yes. gangs and hordes. Yeah, so they're all trained to like use weapons to defend the, the farm slash commune. This is a physical fast burn and a emotional slow burn. Jackson and Faith kind of dislike each other. At least, like, they, they're both very strong-willed, They strong don't communicate. Headed. They don't communicate at Which all. is the big thing. They kind of, like, run the farm, but... Yeah. He's the strong, silent type. She's a little more... She has a little more emotional sway with the other folks in the community. Yeah. And physically, they're very compatible, but they don't really talk about what it means or what they're doing. Yeah. So you find out... I mean, it's a novella, so it's, it's relatively short, but, like, y- you find out that they, they really don't communicate, and they really don't seem to have very friendly feelings towards each other during the day but at night on occasion um faith goes to jackson's room and they have sex and this happens like occasionally and the the events of the novella basically or sort of the 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 kickstart to the actions of the novella happen when one of the people on the farm is dying because she got an an infection from like i don't know something rolled over her foot and but if you live in the post-apocalyptic world an infection will kill you without antibiotics. And everything around them has already been ransacked. Similar to in COVID. I mean, talking about like how COVID was not the apocalypse, but even if it was like a little, little, little itty bitty baby apocalypse, like so many shops were still broken into. Like it's crazy, like how much shit happened and how many stores were boarded up from being broken into when it was just COVID. So I can only imagine. Anyway, they have to go find antibiotics and they have to travel together and sort of leads to the rest of the events. But I liked Haven even more than Last Light. Like I said, I've read it three times. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited for the rest of the series. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Dustwalker. Have you read this? No. Okay, this is the first one that I read for this episode, like specifically for this episode. I fucking loved it. <laughs> and I and it was very unexpected. So, okay, back up. Dustwalker, it's by Tiffany Roberts, and it's actually a husband and wife writing duo, which I love. The characters are Lara and Ronan. Ronan is a robot. What? Yes. And so (laughs) when I read the... So this was heavily recommended on Reddit, the romance book subreddit. So I downloaded it and was like, I'll take people's word for it, but I don't know how I feel about like a robot main character i don't know i don't know it's so well done it is so believable (laughs) so good i just need more information like i'm gonna give you more information okay Okay, so lauren is (laughs) laura is a human woman living in the slum of cheyenne which is a town controlled by a robot named warlord there's this walled off town that all the robots live in and it's really nice and there's some like green grass and the rest of the world is dust basically and she lives in this like shanty town essentially outside of the walls and has to go out every day and like scavenge for things i think it's been like 200 years since the apocalypse when everything shut down i i don't remember if they actually say 
what caused it, but there's something, it's like a blackout basically where all the like machines shut down and then Ronan gets rebooted at that point. So he doesn't know anything about his past before he got rebooted 180 years ago or something. So he is a robot living in this town. He's, he's sort of passing through. He's got a house there, but he used to live somewhere else. And he's very sought after because he's got all these military upgrades to him. Like he's very strong. He's very hard to like gun down and he's got really quick reflexes and he's very good in, in combat. Question. Is he like an android? Like, does he look like he a human? He looks like a human. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 He okay. looks like a human. Hugely helpful. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I that's like my. Okay. So, but so <laughs> let me just, so just, just to like set the scene. So Ronan is trying to figure out his purpose. That's basically his, what he's constantly thinking about because he doesn't know why he was created and why he was brought back. He sees all the other androids with like, oh, you are clearly made to like clean the space or you are made to be a soldier. And he doesn't feel like anything he does serves his like core programming he doesn't know what it is so that's sort of his interesting thing he looks like a human and in every big town they have like re-skinning places so every time he gets injured or something he goes and he gets his like human looking synthetic skin put back on so he looks like a human he's warm like a human he has appendages like a human he's a human that work Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. mm-hmm just by design or like and he he, and he can orgasm Really? No, there's nothing comes out. <laughs> just, okay, let me back up. <laughs> I'm just like, back up. whoever like took the time to like create the robots, we're also like, better, better make them able to, to get off. Well, I don't. Fun time research R and D money on that. Yeah, I don't know. If it, he, it's like white. He he describes it as like um a whiteout. It's just like this one moment of peace or something. It's it's interesting. Okay. Anyway, so Lara is going out every day scavenging for stuff ronan is a really good scavenger he goes like really far out and then brings stuff back and he trades for stuff laura is struggling because her sort of found family sister has gone missing she went off with a robot and laura doesn't really know what happened to her and she can't find her so now she's alone and the family she used to trade with they're having a second baby which is not allowed under warlord's reign so they're not they're refusing to trade with her so she's like fully alone now And so the book starts when she goes back to her little shack and she's totally depressed essentially. And she's like, you know what? I've always loved dancing. I'm just going to dance. And she starts like swaying and dancing. And Ronan is walking past and he sees her and he is so enamored with this person who's moving in this way. Is this core programming that he's a dancer? (laughs) (laughs) No. Funny though. No, he and I'm like, not going to give that away. I was meant to do the foxtrot. No, anyway, no. <laughs> okay, so he's so he's a dust walker, by the way. That's why the book is called Dust Walker. So he sees her, he's totally mesmerized, and he offers to provide food and shelter to her and to help her look for her sister if he comes with her and just like dances for him every night. He doesn't want to sleep with her. He doesn't really know why he's so interested in her, but he just wants to take care of her and also to like watch her dance he's just like totally it's like the best part of his day is watching her dance for like five minutes so she mainly goes with she doesn't want to be beholden to a robot but she goes because he's going to help her find her sister and so she goes into the walls of the town they get together obviously they end up you know falling in love and escaping the town eventually only to figure out that like they can't leave everybody under Warlord's reign and they have to sort of figure out how to save everybody and, make a, and, make, book? and make a future for themselves that they want to live in. Yes, okay. it is a single okay. book. It's pretty long. The romance was like super fucking cute. I know it sounds really just, it's like 
I was very, I was, I was very skeptical based on the premise, but I, it was very well done and I loved it. I will say it is a happily for now at the end of the book, but then there is an epilogue and I think you can understand that like robot and human, there's got to, there's, there's an ending at some point. So if you want to stop at the end of the book, you will have your happy ever after the epilogue made me cry for sure. But I cried everything as we know. Um, (laughs) A lot of ideas of like the different ways you can do advanced AI and human emotions, the effects and the consequences of having really advanced AI and what that could mean for human society and human and robot society, how that works together. It's just a lot of really interesting ideas, really beautiful writing, really great character development. I highly, highly, highly recommend. Okay. Yeah. I think you've sold me. Good. I don't think you've ever sold a book this hard. Really? Yeah, I'm trying to think of another one that you've like well, really. Tiffany Roberts, you duo, you, you did it. This is like so. It's just so good. <laughs> I want to see what else they've written. Yeah. <sighs> okay, talk to me about not Roma. No more robots. Next. What didn't you read? Didn't you read the next book? You didn't. No, read, oh, you started I, I started it, it, it and okay. I, I I couldn't get into it, and you told me to keep going, and so okay, tell so me why I should keep going. The next book is called Juniper Unraveling. It's actually part of a series, which I didn't write in here. It's by Carrie Lake, and Carrie Lake has done a number of books that we've really really liked, yeah. mostly in gothic, the gothic romance genre. Yeah, we which read is a, one of my favorite genres. We read a bunch of hers in like september october last year which mm-hmm. was just like perfect yeah. season master of salt and bone is one of my favorite so books good. it's so good we gotta do an episode just on her or, I know, or we, we need to do a gothic romance episode 100 percent need to do that yeah but so carrie lake is amazing which is why i picked this up okay so the three characters are danny danielle ren and six danny and ren are the narrators and it's not clear until the end of part one how their stories connect but they are connected so years ago there was a war of some kind, there was a virus that broke out, and it's sort of like Resident Evil. It's like zombie. It's not a zombie apocalypse, but it is a zombie-esque virus where folks become sort of animalistic and rabid, and then they'll eventually die if they aren't feeding on other So they people. aren't undead, they're just angry. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> like they're like stronger. Yeah, they're But yeah. they don't have like a functioning brain the way we do i think it's like rotting their brain but making so they're they're they become basically animals okay so it's like targeting Not specific areas of the brain to like something like that yeah amplify or shut down yeah they call them ragers and they're they're really dangerous and if you get it's both airborne and physical like um touch so if they can bite you or airborne if, that's fucking terrifying it's really terrifying so they if they're just in early stages and they bite you you'll get it and you'll become a rager and so anybody who's bitten is like ousted from whoever they're with but also if they're later stage and their like bodies are rotting and like something happens and crushes them and their stuff gets into the air you can also Ugh. catch it that way so it's like really fucked um not a lot of people are left so yeah, they're different stages of the disease, basically. So Danny is taken from her home, and her mom shaves her head and tells her to pretend to be a boy because her mom knows that they're taking the boys and they're killing the women and the female Should children. Do we know why, or we find out later? You will find out in the first couple chapters. But basically, Danny's taken to a facility where they want to find a cure to the virus, and they want to find a way to protect people. So they're taking kids from impoverished areas and experimenting on them, essentially. So she's taken there pretty quickly. One of the doctors realizes that she is in fact a girl and he doesn't know what to do about it. And he doesn't want her to be 
you know, killed or messed with. So he takes her as his apprentice. And so she's helping him sort of find a cure. The simultaneous chapters, you see Ren, who lives in this walled community with her father. There's a little bit of like a not like the other girls situation (laughs) here where like everybody's really sheltered like they don't it's sort of similar to what you're saying with like today people wouldn't know how to survive out there like in this community people are raised and they're not given the survival tools even though they're living in this time when they could easily have the walls breached and like before right. so things have gotten like so comfortable and like back in this community back on a certain path that people are just like kind right. of settling it's basically of- like a wealthy community there's like impoverished people sitting outside the walls trying to get in and they're mm. not letting them in it's like a whole socio-political thing but ren knows how to fight she like is really strong and she really doesn't like following the rules so she goes to the wall and it, one, one day she's there and she sees this boy six who's also about 18 17 18 and he's sitting outside the wall he won't talk to her he's mute but she's is fond, you know, fond of him. And there's like a group of ragers like right by him. And she also can see like smokestacks in the distance. She doesn't really know what the facility is, but she, she kind of figures out that he is in this facility somehow. And that he like, she thinks it's like a hospital of some kind, but he's not being treated well. There's like burn marks on him. There's scars everywhere. So she figures out that, you know, he's not in a good spot and she decides to break him out of that and break him into the community. So she does, and she takes him inside the walls. They fall in love, and then they get separated. And then part two is, I forget how many years later. It's like 12 years later or something. So second chance. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I, I do, I love Carrie Lake, so I'm going to push through. You definitely should read it. There's really strong female characters. The MMC is very strong, silent type. The male main character. Male main character, thank you. The inter- the universe was really interesting. The way, they, way she did the virus was really interesting. And there's a bunch of other books in the series that I, I just looked at the reviews today, and they're supposed to be really good. So, so do you know if the, it's the same characters or same? Just no, the, same, the next like, one is called like the next one is called like Calico Descending, and it's takes place in like similar facility, but there's not it's not the same characters. Okay, but it's the same like yeah. This is a self-contained yes, but well. this is a self-contained book with a with a happy ending for them. Okay. So cool. Yeah. All right. The majority of my last week has been spent reading what I think is probably one of my favorite series because I read all four books, which I rarely read like an entire series or something. But anyway, in dark romance or apocalyptic romance or any romance, I think this is like up there on my list. It is the Four Horsemen series by Laura Thalassa. I did watch a video to make sure that's for you how you pronounce her name. Nice, look at I you. Know. I'm learning. Yeah, and all four of the books are apocalyptic. Are pop- yes, okay. Apocalyptic it's the, so it's the yeah. Four Horsemen series. And let me tell you, I think <laughs> the first book of this series was my first dark romance. And I remember oh, so mentioning it to you. Or no, I remember wanting to mention it to you after I read it because I loved it so much. But feeling like you would think it was really weird. This is when I was like a newer romance reader. And obviously brand new to dark romance. And I was just like a little bit embarrassed about like what I would be interested in. And I remember not telling you about it for a long time because I was like worried you would think it's weird because. uh, I I remember you telling me about it and I was like, huh, that seems, seems weird. But I think you sold it well. And then I read it and then I read it again. Yeah. Very quickly Okay. And so the reason I felt a little weird is because the very first book is about the horseman Pestilence, which means he is the bringer of plague. And so the first question is, how does Laura Thalassa make plague sexy? <laughs> she does it. 
<laughs> can she? She does. She does. Also, if there's ever ever like a Jeopardy question or if we're in trivia next time and they're like, who are the former horsemen in the pl- of the apocalypse? I will know, thanks to Laura Thalassa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we've got four books, Pestilence, War, Famine, and Death. Those are each of the four horsemen. As I said, Pestilence is the first one. He is the bringer of plague. I was very concerned. I think about like, okay, this dude like puts boils on people. Like, how is this? How am I going to like this? Am I going to? Yes, I fucking love it. It's so good. It's so fucking good. All the trigger warnings for this series because the these horsemen, their purpose on earth is to kill people. And bring pain. And bring pain. And to be merciless. Yes. And they do that mm-hmm. again and again and again. Reading all four of these books in a row... So I had already read Pestilence, I had already read Famine, the third one, but I read War and Death for the first time this week, and I read them all in order. Reading them all in a row, they like they do become like a little bit repetitive. I mean, the basic concept is that these horsemen come to Earth, each one of them ends up meeting a woman, and you, you come to understand that there is like some kind of divine intervention for each of these women that places mm-hmm. that woman in each of their paths. And, you know, the two of the horsemen and the particular woman are sort of forced together throughout the book and eventually like the woman like eventually brings the the horseman to the side of like not necessarily supporting humanity but wanting to like being okay with like giving up his mission so the the horsemen come i don't i don't know what the year is but they all arrive on earth and as soon as they arrive on earth all of the electronics stop working mm-hmm. including cars like everything and then they disappear for five years, and no one knows what happens. But basically, the world goes to shit, because none of the electronics work. You can't get around except on a bicycle or a horse. And then after five years, pestilence comes back. And it's basically only one horseman at a time. And they come in different quadrants of those. Yes. So he starts his conquering in Florida. He travels up the East Coast and into Canada. And every place he goes through, he brings what they're calling messianic plague, which sounds very much like the Black Death. Like, there's boils, there's high fever, and he's just mercilessly killing people. Our heroine in the the first book, Pestilence, is Sarah. She lives in Canada near Vancouver. She's a former firefighter. Badass. Yeah, total badass. Pestilence is coming their way. The whole town evacuates. Pestilence rides through on his horse. Because each horseman comes with their own horse. And he's beautiful. Yes, so all the horsemen are beautiful, but, like, they were created by, like, God. You know, they're perfect, but merciless. And Sarah is hiding in the woods, and she shoots him with a couple of arrows. And also, by the way, along with cars not being usable, like, no one really uses guns in this post-apocalyptic world either because they become, like, very... Don't they? No, they don't really. And you find out oh. more and more that people are using like swords and I arrows forgot, because I like... I was thinking about the Vancouver scene. Well, they're not like able to produce guns anymore really without right. the equipment. And then the guns become like very unsafe because they're like backfire and stuff. So everyone knows like how to use a bow and arrow. And Sarah shoots him off his horse, but he still seems like he's alive. So she burns him alive. Oh, it's so gross. It's so really... Rough. This happens in like the first chapter. She like... And she's... She is feeling really bad as she does this because he is in pain. Like, clearly, he's, like, he's saying, please. He's, like, begging for mercy. He's begging for mercy. But she's, like, I did it. It's done. My town is safe. My family is safe. She goes back into the woods and sleeps in her tent. She's awoken by a very angry, still half-burned pestilence in the middle of the (laughs) night who, like, chokes her and is basically, like, 
I can't fucking die, bitch. You think you're the first person to try to kill me? And the truth is she didn't know because there's like no communication. Yeah. They're using carrier pigeons in this. The, are they? Yes, they oh are. My God, you learn that, that more in, in the second book because you can't communicate with people otherwise. And he's killing everyone in every town. So like yeah. if people try to kill him and he obviously like heals, he just kills them all. And that message is not being passed along. So she's like pretty surprised. And he's like, you know what? You didn't help me. You didn't show me mercy. You burned me alive. I'm going to take you prisoner. I'm not even going to kill you like I did all the others. I'm going to take you. I'm going to punish you. (laughs) This is why I say it's a dark romance. So she like really fucks him up. He then ties her wrists and basically forces her to run behind his horse. For like miles. For more than miles. Like an entire day or two. And, you know, her wrists are raw. She gets dragged at one point. At one point she gets dragged and her back gets all cut up. Like he is pretty ruthless. Yeah. And... I think it's winter time too. It's winter. Yeah. So eventually he comes to care for her. Obviously it's like very a slow evolution to get to that point. But like eventually like he just has her join him on the horse and he actually helps to heal her. All of these horsemen have been around for like as long as the world's been around, but they've never been in human form. So the thing is they can die. They'll come back to life, but they still suffer. Mm-hmm. And so you can kill them again and again, but like if you burn them to death or you drown them or you just like slice up their body, like they're going to feel all that pain. So yeah, so Pestilence and Sarah eventually get along um, and he stops his mission. And then once he does that, war awakens. And that's the second book that takes place in Israel. Our heroine Miriam, it, I would say this, I would say all these books are enemies to lovers, but some of the books have a few other tropes involved the second book war is a little bit more like an arranged marriage war comes upon miriam in jerusalem when he's invading the city and he sees her and he sees that like god has marked her for him and he's like that's my wife and he's oh. like you're coming with me oh interesting. yeah and war was different because you didn't read war right uh, um i just read pestilence and famine yeah War was different from the others because that book takes around a lot, pace around a lot more people because every city he goes through, he destroys, he captures people, and then he forces them to join his army or die. Oh. So, like, he has a whole traveling war camp with thousands of soldiers. So she's, like, around a lot more people versus all the other books. It's just the horseman and the woman just traveling together and yeah. they just kill everyone. So that's kind of an arranged marriage scenario. Same thing, though, where, like, he is killing and... She's like, fucking stop this. But also, I'm really attracted to you over time. And they get together. And the third book was my favorite. I know it was your favorite, too. So good. Well, I don't know. Pestilence has a, has a place in my heart forever. Pestilence is really great. But af- after rereading them, Famine, I think I would rank the top of them. Yeah, so, so Pestilence takes place five years after they first arrived. War takes place, I think, 11 years after they first arrived. And then Famine is 24 years. Famine is a sassy motherfucker. (laughs) He is hateful of humanity because he spent time in captivity. Humans captured him, killed him, chained him up, and kept killing him over and over again. I mean, that's one way you stop the horsemen from, like, doing what they do. Yeah. But he felt all that. Which is very funny because, like, or you just be beautiful and be nice to them. (laughs) (laughs) He's still going to kill you, though. Um, He might just not be a savage about it. 
Anyway, our heroine Anna is in Brazil. is a sec- It's kind of a second chance romance for them because she kind of saves him from that captivity initially, and then she sees him five years later when he comes back through her the town she's living in because of that first time she met him. He destroyed her town, and then she's kind of forced into prostitution. And so when he sees her again five years later, she has spent five years being a prostitute. She's relieved of that duty after he wipes again, wipes out the entire town at that point. But somehow she survives, and he basically kidnaps her. And they travel together, and she (laughs) makes him so uncomfortable with all of her sex talk. She's (laughs) She's like constantly talking about sex. And he's like, I don't do things in the, of the flesh. Like, I have no interest in that. But you yeah. can tell it like, makes him super uncomfortable. And she's like, should I blow the horseman of the apocalypse? Could I save the world that way? <laughs> like, she's like, I guess we can try. Do you, Can I try famine? And he's like, I don't know. What? <laughs> he's so uncomfortable. That one's my favorite. And then the last one is death. That one came out late 2021. And the heroine there, Lazarus. 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 <laughs> is aptly named because she cannot die. Oh. So she's kind of like the fated mate to death. Like ever? She's... Yeah, so when she was a baby, she lived in like Georgia, I think, and pestilence came through her town because death takes place 26 years after they first arrived. Pestilence came through her town and killed everyone, but she didn't die. And like then her adoptive parents just happened to find her and several other times through her life. She's been accidentally drowned or got a really bad cold like or, or virus that like would have killed her or she was attacked by highwaymen and should have died and like she mm. knows that she can't die and the way that book starts is like she's living where she's living in the southern U.S. and all of a sudden everyone <laughs> drops dead around her except for her and then oh, death fuck. comes through on his horse and he's like, excuse me. <laughs> Why are you alive? Oh, that's so And then she's like, fuck you. And then she she decides to basically hunt him. She knows that she can't kill him either, but she tries to go to the other towns and warn them that like death is coming because word's not getting out. It was a really good end to the series. You see all the other horsemen in that series as well, and you kind of learn a little bit about what happened to them. That one's like, since that's once 26 years after the arrival, this isn't really a spoiler, but like Pestilence ends up becoming mortal to live with Sarah at the end of his book. So he's like in his 40s or something. Aww. And he's like a little bit older and grayer and like it's nice to see an older pestilence. And he's like all my children. Like are... <laughs> that's cute. This is such a good series. It's I so can't I can't good. wait to read the last one. I'm it's really, I'm really good. Yeah, I I loved it so much, but you do really have to be cool with killing <laughs> cool well, killing one, you have one to of be like things... able to forgive the male character a little bit to to like them enough to be like okay i'm rooting for this but i think i think the author does that really well especially yeah. with like pestilence for example you know he is very on about the fact that like this is his mission it's given to him from god yeah. like he has to do this this is what he's put here for and this is his purpose and like that is like, he's just like for most of the book he's just like this is just what i'm doing i can't stop it's god's mission i gotta do it and eventually, obviously, he comes around. But one of the things I like most about these books is them as mythical God-created creatures who can't die, learning what humanity is actually about. Yeah. Because they're put here with a specific mission, but they don't actually know the people. Like Pestilence, he doesn't like seeing the people sick. And Laura or Sarah cares for the people that he 
infects if they're staying with them or if they're staying in the town. And he's like so shocked by this. He doesn't want like want to see the effects of what he's doing. So and that's that's not true for all of them. I feel like famine is so. Oh yeah, famine's into it. Famine's is like I'm gonna kill you, motherfuckers! You torture. And he me. does it in really gruesome ways. He really he's does. Like, yeah, he has it. this power where he can just make plants like come from yeah. the earth and then wind around you and crush your bones. Yeah. And so like it's like really gross. So much of Anna's narration is she's like, and then I heard their bones get crushed. Yeah, like, so and gross. then this person died next to me when a plant. Yeah, but but yes, is- they learn about humanity. I mean, so so they have been around humans. For since humans existed, mm-hmm. but they also don't understand them. Like when Sarah is like shivering, he's like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. She's oh, like, yeah, yeah. I'm cold. Yeah. Humans get cold. Yeah. I need to eat. I need to sleep. Yeah. He doesn't really, that I loved Pestilence learning about what she needs as a physical yeah. human being, like what her basic needs are. And she, he keeps, shit keeps happening to her and he's like, but you're so fucking weak. Like, come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like your exposure. Come on. The one thing that I, couldn't really wrap my head around and like you have to suspend disbelief all obviously but i just thought of all the romance books i've read where like they're having sex these books are steamy laura writes great steamy scenes and like the characters are like calling out each other's names in the throes of passion and i just like had like she didn't do it in the books but in my head i was like would you have sex with them and then be like pestilence like (laughs) i couldn't like particular because like that is boils and plague like how do i mean like i said she still makes it sexy somehow but she's also not yelling out his name during yeah, sex. that's probably why she doesn't have that yeah. detail in the book yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so all those, if, all those are on kindle unlimited too if i was gonna start if i was gonna recommend any post-apocalyptic books to start with it would 100 percent be this series yeah if you want like if you want like a little like paranormal sci-fi like yeah totally yeah totally they're just so good and the 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 universe and the different locations it's just all it's really good yeah okay (sighs) four books in one you guys nailing it okay homebound this is by lydia hope this is Gemma and simon are the main characters this is set far in the future earth is in decline and it's basically a shithole. <laughs> like, only there's like prisons and shittiness and poverty, and that's it. All the wealthy people have left. And so, Gemma. Where did they go? I don't know. It's other planets. This is alien romances. This is an alien romance. Okay. There's aliens involved. So, Gemma is impoverished. She's living with her aunt and uncle. She had a boyfriend who was supposed to take her to this other planet that's like very. So, I'm thinking about thriving yeah <laughs> someplace that's not a shithole yeah she's trying to go to a planet that's not a shithole so her her ex-boyfriend is a or she thinks he's they're still together but apparently they're not he's a doctor and he was gonna like save up money and then bring her to this planet that's you know actually succeeding and doing well in a nice place to live but instead she's stuck she's stuck on shithole earth she works in a prison on the women's floor the book starts when she comes into work and they're like hey you're going to the alien floor today and she's freaking out she's really scared because aliens have a reputation for being really dangerous and volatile so is there like a male floor a female floor mm-hmm. and aliens yeah and then i think there's like a really violent criminals floor or something okay. but she's on the third floor with the aliens now so the aliens are a raucous bunch there's like a bunch of different types of aliens they all have very different personalities it's like really interesting the book has been very entertaining in the variety of aliens and appearances and personalities that are in the book there's this one alien who never leaves his his cell. His cell hasn't been cleaned in like three years. 
He doesn't go out for outdoor time. He doesn't eat his food. His name is Simon, and he's basically like a skeleton in his cell. She feels really bad for him. So she starts going in and she cleans his cell. That's what she does at the prison. She cleans and she helps take the prisoners from their activities and bring them food and stuff. So she goes into his cell. She like, I think the first thing she does for him is like wash his hair, which is like, she's like, oh, this is like beautiful silky strands of hair. But he's just like this gaunt skeletal figure. And she slowly caretakes for him. She like gets his sheets changed for the first time in years. She like figures out that he can't really eat the prison food. So she starts bringing him some of her food from home that he can eat. And so she's like going without food for him because there's so little to go around. They have like a he, he's mute. He doesn't speak for like doesn't half he like the book. not even show that no he like, doesn't show any acknowledgement that she's yeah, doing this for him. She, he shows no gratitude at all. But she finds purpose in knowing that she's making his life better, even if he's not acknowledging it and can't. She she thinks that he just like is basically comatose and he can't really acknowledge it. But she feels better because she's doing something nice for this person who can't do anything. So she's just like a really good person. So they start spending more time together because she's taking him out of the prison every day to sneak him food and she's trying to like get him out, you know, meet the prisoners doing things. And people around her are like, hey, this species is like one that we never see on earth. They're like super badass and like really scary. And she's like, this guy can't even fucking hold a spoon. (laughs) Like he's fine. He's not, he's not capable of doing anything. You learn this is not the case, but the relationship evolves where he gets better and gets stronger and then it sort of flips and he has to end up taking care of her once they get out of the prison and try to get off earth and it's uh it's really good it was really unexpected i really remember i remember liking it i read it a pretty long time ago because i feel like it's also one of those ones that's like recommended often it's really unexpected a really unexpected hero because I feel like in every romance book, it's like, oh yeah, this guy's attractive, even though XYZ is wrong or whatever, right? Like they're enemies or he's, his personality is shit at the beginning of the book or whatever, preconceived notions. But literally it's like, this is a skeletal comatose figure curled up on a bed. And then by the end of the book, it's like this awesome hero. Yeah. So it was really, the evolution of that character was really, really interesting. I feel like alien romance in general is really good for that. We read a few by Heather Gare that we talked about on our previous Feel of Love Friday that we're not not a similar plot at all but like obviously aliens like look different from humans and in most alien romance yeah i remember liking that book we should do an episode on prison planets because that is basically a prison planet story i don't know if you've read any other prison planets Mm-mm. it's i would say it's like a whole subgenre of alien romance claire kent actually has a really good one called hold oh, really? mm, cool. yeah yeah well yeah i really like this it's pretty dark there's a lot of violence on the page. Obviously, we talked about that. But there's also a whole period of time when she basically becomes homeless and can't find food and is scared for her life constantly and, like, living in a hole. And it's kind of hard to read. But really good book. Really, really good. Yeah. And if I'm, I'm still fairly new to the alien romance genre, but I really liked the way that Lydia Hope did this. So, Cool. Yeah. All right, I have one more I want to talk about, and I'll, I'll be a little faster in this one. Most of my week was just dedicated to the horseman. Uh, but I did find one reverse harem. Apocalyptic <laughs> of course romance. Of course. So this is actually apocalyptic romance slash MC or like motorcycle gang romance, which is not really my thing. Similarly, like how I'm not really into mafia, I don't really like MC. I don't know. What does MC even stand for? I don't know what you're talking about. Like motorcycle gangs? 
What does MC have to do with that? That's like what they're called. I gotta look it up. They're called like MC. Mot- like a motorcade? <laughs> no. Wait, hold on. I will. It's a mo- oh, motorcycle club. That's what it means. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's Makes like more a, sense than it's motorcade. It's like an outlaw motorcycle club. So yeah. it's like an entire subgenre of like contemporary or dark romance. Anyway, this so this combines that with the apocalypse. The series is called the Steel Dragons MC series. This is book one. I just read book one, but it all takes place with the same characters. So it would be the continuation of the same story. The first book is called Lawless. Our heroine is Mariposa, and our four gentlemen are Reaper, Hondro, short for Alejandro, Gunner, and Shadow. Come on. (laughs) So I feel like they always have ridiculous names in reverse heroes. They do. But I also feel like like MC, like motorcycle clubs, also just have ridiculous names. Like Gunner is like, yeah, there would be a Gunner. Because they gotta be hardcore. They gotta like put it on the back of their leather jacket or whatever, right? Yeah, no one's gonna be like intimidated by somebody named Francois. (laughs) Right, exactly. Or like Clifford. (laughs) So anyway, and so this was actually the most interesting like reason for the apocalypse though in this book. They just refer to it in the book as the collapse, capitalized, and it's never really fully discussed what happened. But the reason, the, what the collapse was, was basically a destabilization of like governments around the world, and eventually, like America is no longer the United States of America. It becomes like separate factions and like competing governments and like smaller governments. Texas splits off into its own thing. So it's like, it was basically just political. That's the reason that things are kind of kind of gone to shit. And so different territories are, are run by different people, but nothing is necessarily like stopped working. Uh, they do mention that parts of California are like underwater. So I guess enough time has passed that like global warming has become uh, a bigger issue and caused some destruction. Mm-hmm. But basically it was just like political reasons is why there's the apocalypse. Um, They talk about, like, the last president of the United States being, like, a total fuckhead. So, um, but even in this post-apocalyptic world where it's just political, there are a lack of resources. And, of course, things are fucked up for women. So, Mariposa... Well, whenever you get rid of government services, you're going to have issues. So, Mariposa actually trained to be a nurse. Like, she went to college, which was, like, a pretty big deal. And the day she graduates in Texas, or what... I'll, I'll refer to it as Texas, but it's like whatever the new name of Texas is. The day she graduates nursing school is the day that Texas declares women cannot be nurses. Honestly, I feel like we're not that far off. But. No, I know. Also that. So she's like, fuck my life. Uh, she decides to label herself as a medic. And she basically travels around the former American Southwest offering her services and like bartering and like that's what most people do now they also like barter versus like using money it seems like at that point in time you want more people who are capable of doing medical stuff versus like yeah shutting down folks who that's know what doing. not the only thing that they mention that like women can't it's basically like wherever you go in the u.s are they just like, like we fucked. need you to procreate or like what's the i think it's different for i don't recall exactly but it was like different for each territory and like mini government of like basically like women have sounds like um, a lot less rights it sounds like uh no (laughs) no it sounds like handmaid's tale yeah yeah okay yeah Yeah. a little bit like that the story starts when she arrives at a hotel i think it's in like former arizona or something 
she barters her services as a medic um, in exchange for room and board for two weeks. They have women working there basically as prostitutes at the hotel who don't have birth control. And she's like, I have hoarded birth control. Like, let me help you. There's one woman she tries to help where she's like, I'm pretty sure you have an ovarian cyst. And the woman is like, what do you mean you want to like put your hands on me and like go into my vagina with like an instrument, like get off me because like having an OBGYN and like medical care is like not a familiar thing. So the woman's like, what the fuck? Are you a pervert? Like it's just like become so abnormal for there to be like adequate medical care, particularly for women. Uh, so as she's staying at, at this hotel, these four guys, these motorcycle club guys who are like the president, the VP, and some other like high-level positions, they end up stopping there for two weeks and they decide to take her with them because their medic um, died or like left or something from wherever they're from. They're like passing through. They take her back to where they live, which I feel like was in California or near California. And it was like, they basically commandeered like a... I thought you said California was underwater. Like parts of it, or I think they were talking about like LA or something. And they were talking about like, oh, I heard you can like go underwater and see whole cities there. They are all distant. That's pretty cool. cool. Yeah, Yeah, so cool. It's giving me Atlantis vibes. Yeah, exactly. But they basically commandeered like what used to be a very wealthy neighborhood, probably like a gated community. And so they're like living it up in mansions. So Mariposa like kind of is like, what the fuck am I doing here? Are you going to hurt me? And she kind of realizes that they want her to be the medic. The first book, in the first book, she only ends up getting together with one of them, and it's towards the end of the book, so it's a pretty slow burn. Mm-hmm. But, you know, each of them have a different personality, and... Oh, so wait, each book is, like, a different guy? Yeah, I think so. I've only read the first one. Interesting. Um, I mean, I guess you kind of have to do that if you have four guys. That's, like, a lot to fit is in it? And, and I think the first book was relatively short. It was only, like, 250 pages or something, so, you know, you if you read them all consecutively, like, it's a pretty long series, but... It's definitely a slow burn. So, you know, it's like, it was more of a fun apocalyptic romance read. Reverse harems usually are. Mm-hmm. But I I liked it and I'll keep reading it. Is it more porn than, porn than plot? No. It's a, um, and it might be, it might be more in the later books because she, but she only gets together with one guy and it's the very end of the first book. Mm-hmm. And it's also not like an explicit enemies to lovers, which is what you see a lot in reverse harem because they like, they took her and they kind of kidnapped her but they're also like we're all kind of like you like from the get-go and she, it's more like that she has to make peace with the fact that she's been kidnapped although she makes peace with the fa- that fact like seemingly like, kind of quickly <laughs> i'm like okay well it sounds like she doesn't have a lot of options in yeah. her life anyway like so. I said, this is like it's a little bit more it, it's not light <laughs> i could say it's like a little bit lighter than yeah. some of the other ones i read but yeah. Cool. Well, I have another series. The last book. The last book. About. Yeah. Go this for is it. the series called After the Plague by Imogen Keeper. So, this is... I don't normally... Is this the one you told me I was, like, not allowed to, like, look at mm-hmm, the notes mm-hmm, or, like, mm-hmm. read or anything because you need to tell yeah. me? Yeah. Okay. So, the main characters are Frankie and York. There are four novellas so far, which I didn't fucking realize when I started this. I thought the fourth one was the last one. Wait, so was it like so good that you got and to And I was, well, I was reading it. Well, it's like very slow burn, which I'm going to explain in a minute. But I got to the fourth one and I was like, oh, okay, they're going to, it's going to, all of it's going to happen. They're going to happy ending. And then all this other shit was happening. And I was like, wow, the fuck she's going to resolve this in 30 pages. Didn't because there's another book coming out. <laughs> I was so mad. Is there, is five? Wait. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Just be aware if you start the series that <laughs> you will be sad by the end that it's not like resolved. So there's four novellas so far. 
So somewhere in the 2050s, a virus has happened, or a virus is happening and kills all but 1%. So it starts when the virus is in the midst of killing everybody, but it's working really fast. And the reason that I told you this series is so unique is that the main characters don't even meet until the second book. What? They see each other in the first book. And that's the only interaction they have but in the whole novella. first book. Yeah, but it's I mean, it's, couple, it's like it takes a couple hours to read. Anyway, so in <sighs> the but but but, but 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 in the first book, Frankie is still married to this guy Jimmy, and you have to read about him dying due to the virus, and they are very much in love. Like they have a very good relationship, and she has to bury him, and you like see him die on the page. I don't and know that, if you're convincing that to no, read I, well, I don't know. It's it's honestly going to be an acquired taste. I was like sobbing, and you and that's the whole first book is like that happening, and then her getting out of DC to go somewhere else. So she like meets a kid whose parents are all dead, so she takes the kid and like leaves DC, and at the same time, York, who's the main male character, is on his own. He's always been on his own, and he's sort of like stockpiling guns and like helping to protect himself. And he remembers her. He saw her, and he's constantly thinking about her but he has no idea like where she is or who she is and so it's not until the second book when she she and the kid come back into dc that they actually start interacting but then most of the series is her processing her grief of losing her husband while falling in love with york and him sort of being patient and like they keep like coming together and coming apart as she wrestles with these feelings of guilt over loving somebody else and missing her husband so it is emotionally like <laughs> a lot is really good and i think because she splits it into all these novellas you can really explore the after effects of something like this happening it's funny because they reference covid like they mentioned oh really it's like oh yeah i remember covid when this happened but it's like obviously a much bigger scale but yeah it's really interesting so they you know she and the kid go to this farmhouse in the first book and and you find out in the second book like there was no running water or electricity so they like basically have to come back into DC because she realizes she needs other people around. She needs a community. It can't just be her and the kid. And, you know, they'll find like a fancy house in DC and for a few days they'll have running water and like heat and, you know, really good canned food or whatever. The other thing is like, there's bodies everywhere. So there's just like flies and silence. Like how long has the virus been going on? The virus happens over the course of like, I want to say it's like two months or something. Oh, wow. Everybody. It's like really fast. fast. It spreads really fast. And then all the people that are left are people that were clearly immune. Like, she didn't get it from her husband. She was she was exposed and she didn't die. So then it's purely like, the virus is done. Dead bodies are everywhere. What are we going to do about it? And how are we going to go? Did you find... So when we talked about the Mindfuck series in our serial killer episode, that too was like novellas. I think it was like five. Mm-hmm. But we talked about how actually that made the pacing pretty good. Because like, every hundred pages, you kind of like... You had a pretty quick plot and then like a rise in temperature of the action and then a cooling off when the yeah. when the next novella started. Did you find that in this series too? So I think like yes, but because it's such a slow burn, like they haven't even had sex yet by the end of the fourth book. So for me it was almost and it was like a lot of there just kept being new challenges. It almost reminded me of like a TV show. You know, Mm -hmm. like each season, you're just like, okay, more shit's happening. How much more can happen to these people? Which makes it more realistic. Like, there would constantly be struggles and you would be... It all makes sense. Like, the trajectory they're going makes sense. But 
I kind of wanted it to be <laughs> paced a little bit quicker than it was. Yeah. But I thought it was really, it was really interesting. It's really good. Do you remember in our retellings episode how you were talking about how you didn't mind that there was not as much steam in a lot of the ones you read because you were like so enthralled with like the magical universe? Yeah. I was thinking about that as we read for this episode because I actually felt like I needed the sex more and the physical intimacy more in these books because the world was such a fucking dire place. Well, that's a very explicit theme of these of this series, actually. Oh, really? Is, yeah, because it's only been a couple months. By the second book, it's only been a couple months since her husband died. And York has never really had like a, a relationship. Like He's never felt this way about somebody, but there's they constantly are talking about this idea of like how they need to be physically together, whether it's like snuggling or holding hands or just hugging or whatever. They need that because everything else is so shit. So that's like a very present theme. Yeah. So it is slow burn, but there's, there's physical intimacy, but there's, you know, obviously not sex or anything, but yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, before we go, I have just two honorable mentions. If you read last light and you really liked it and you want something similar two books that are pretty similar uh one is called moonshine by kat bostick it's a male female it's also like a road trip survival romance it actually starts in seattle i forget what the reason for the apocalypse is in that one but Liv and joshua are the characters and he is also kind of like a strong silent type similar to travis and i really liked that one and then the other one that is kind of similar to Last Light is called Afterglow by Marie Monroe. It's also male-female between Nina and Creed. Creed is like a former Marine. And this one this one's actually a little bit different because Nina... All the women are badass, but the, the way this book starts is Nina is like... There's a virus in this one that uh, kills people. And there's a solar storm, which it's like, okay, it's a big coincidence. <laughs> It's the apocalypse virus and solar storm. But anyway, she decides she needs to get to her family. And so she sees that Creed has a, a motorcycle and she's like, I'm going to fucking steal your bike. <laughs> so she like tries to break in and steal his bike from him. Um, I she, did start this book. You did start the book. Yeah. yeah. So she's a little bit more like, I don't know, not sassy, but she, she went a different direction than like, um, Lane does in, in last light. So that's a little bit more enemies to lovers at the start, but it's also like a road trip survivalist. Um, to be fair, I don't think she knew that he was there was a person living in the No, house. she didn't. She didn't. But still, she she's a little bit more ruthless, I think. And because of that, he was like he he kind of like had difficulties getting along with her in the beginning, more so than like Lane and Travis did in Last Light. But anyway, those are two pretty similar ones. I don't have much more to add. I just I really liked this this trope, and um, I'm kind of sad it's over. Yeah, I think this is just a good trope if you just want to have a little perspective on life and yeah. focus on the basic necessities. It made all for the, a while. the main mundane shit of my life seem I know. like meaningless. <laughs> not in a bad way. No, not in a bad way. Just like, but also sad because I was like, we'd be fucked. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I don't want to, I mean, especially after the plague, I was like very. I, had, I was struggling a lot thinking about what would, I would, what would happen if that was me and Josh died in a plague and it was really it was a rough how week. much did you cry during that book a lot in the first one okay. a lot we should get you some happy books yeah <laughs> yeah road trips are pretty happy so we're doing that next well um thanks for joining us yes. if you want to check out more of our stuff you can visit us at loveandpodcast.com we are on twitter and instagram at love and underscore podcast 
And I think that's all I got. Reach out to us at hello at loveandpodcast.com if you have anything you want to share. Oh, questions for the audience. What do you want to ask? <laughs> just survived <laughs> If you have any other recommendations, since we're both obsessed with this trope, yeah. please let us know. Yeah, you probably haven't survived an apocalypse, but... Oh, you... natural disasters. Oh, yeah. If you've had, like, a natural disaster experience that you had to... Yeah. Put it into effect your survival skills. We are about to record Feel the Love Friday with a COVID romance, but that yeah. will have been out for a few weeks by the time this comes out. So yeah. if you have your own, you know, feel free to share. Shoot us a line. Thanks so much for listening. This is Love and, and uh, go love yourselves. Bye, lovers. Bye.